Well, this morning we're continuing the teaching series, Seasons of Marriage. We've already looked at the spring of new love, first love, fresh love, the summer of raising your family, the fall of the empty nest, and today we're going to focus on the winter, the winter season, the golden, the golden years. And what's unique for me about this sermon is this is the season I've not yet experienced. I'm in the early days of the fall season, so I know a little bit about you know the spring and the summer and the fall, but I've not experienced the winter season. I've watched people, observed people at church, my own family, my mom, Monisa's parents, and others. And there are biblical principles that I think are important for us to understand. And so what I want to do this morning is just share with you some thoughts, kind of in a conversation, if that's all right, teaching more than preaching. But before I do that, I want to share with you that uh, this week I've decided I'm going to add one more sermon to this series. Today was supposed to be the last, but I'm going to extend it another week. And there's only four seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. So whatever I'm going to talk about next week will be a surprise, and you'll have to be here to know what it is. You're going to be guessing all week, okay? So have fun with it. But um, I want us to talk about the, the winter season of marriage and of life. And you know, the, the, the funny thing about winter is this. You never know what kind of winter it's going to be, do you? I mean, it could be one like this one, very mild and, and gentle. Then it can be one that's hard, very, very cold, where there's a lot of ice and, you know, and, and, and maybe more than one ice storm or one where there's a lot of snow. People don't believe this, but about every decade here in South Carolina and Rock Hill, we have a snow of about 20 inches, right? About once a decade. That, that's happened about three times in the 30 years or so I've lived here. Sometimes you have that kind of winter. Other times it's a mild one like this. Sometimes winter gets over with quickly, and other times it lasts a long, long time. Seems like it's never, never going to end. And the same thing is true in life. Same thing is true in marriage during the winter season. There are some people and some in this room who've had many happy years together as a couple in the winter season. You've made it through the fall and entered the, win the winter season and, and you've been happy and you've had years together and your health has been good. Others spend much or all of the winter season alone. I see uh, uh, several people in the room today who that was their experience. I, I look at Sister Ruby and Betty over here who were on the search committee 30 years ago when I came as pastor, and uh, they've spent the winter season without their loved one. He's in heaven. So it's different for each person, right? Some people... Whether they spend it together or spend it alone, uh, those years are, are, are in good health until the, the very end, and maybe there's never really a time of really bad health. And then there's others like Monisa's parents. Uh, they're, they're in their late 80s, and, and until the last year, their health has been really good. I mean, three years ago, it wouldn't have been anything to see her dad, you know, in his mid-80s on, on an extension ladder cleaning out his gutters. Today they're both in nursing homes. And then, then there are some who go through the winter season and they have years of physical problems. And so the winter season is a little different for most people than other seasons because it's so, so unpredictable. There, there are some who experience 
I don't know how to say this, but they, they experience winter and spring at the same time because uh, they lose a spouse, then they find new love. And they're in the winter of life, but there's the spring of, of new love. And we have people in this church. I think of Phil and Debbie Ryan and, and, and Jim and Jackie Davis, to just name two. That would be their experience. And so... So, so you just never know what it's going to be. And the, but the truth is, eventually, eventually, the winter season brings to each and every one of us bad health, the loss of a loved one, because winter is about death. And, and in life, it's, it's the movement from this life to the next life. It's, it's the final chapter of moving from being young to being old. And so it has implications for marriage. It has implications for your, for your life. And here's, here's, here's the question. What is a godly approach to living during the winter season, no matter the circumstances? How do we live godly during the winter days? Whether we go through those years healthy and together, or we go through those years alone, or we go through those years... Uh, with, with, with physical problems. How, how do we live a godly Christian life during the winter season? There's, there's two biblical principles I want to share with you this morning. And, and for those of you who are younger, I want you to think about these principles and how you need to build them into your life to prepare you for the winter season that hopefully will come. So let's look at two biblical principles. And, and I'm going to describe them this way. One is to, to look up. And the other is to look forward. And when I talk about looking forward, I'm not talking just about heaven. Two biblical principles. Look up and look out. Look beyond. Look forward. Begin by, by looking up. Growing in your love for God and your trust in God. You see, God, God gives you a promise. And, and go ahead and open your Bible to the book of Titus. We'll turn there in just a moment. But I want to show you a couple of verses on the screen before that. From Isaiah, 6, uh, Isaiah chapter 46, verse 4, God says, I'm giving you a promise. Now, now look at the promise of God. He said, even to your graying years, the winter season of life, I will bear you. I've done it. I will carry you. And I will bear you and I will deliver you. God says, if, if you look to me and love me and trust me, during the graying years, the winter season, I will be there. And I'll carry you. I'll give you a strength. I'll give you an energy. I'll, I'll be with you in such a way that it makes a difference. Can you trust me? Can you love me? Will you, will you allow me to carry you? Because all, all of us know as, as people who've raised kids and grandkids that some of them let you hold on to them more easily than others, right? Right? Some, some don't want you to touch them. Some don't want you to hug them. Some don't want you to hold their hands. Some are more rebellious than others. Some are more compliant and respectful and obedient than others. And, and the truth is, we're like that with God. Some, some of us more easily allow God to hold our hand and carry us and, 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 and strengthen us than others. And God says, if you allow me to, I'll carry you. I'll be with you. I'll strengthen you. But you've got, you have a part to play in it. God says, that's my, my promise to you. And people who trust him and love him and lean on him 
find that their faith in him deepens. In Psalm 37, 25, this, this author, and we don't know who, it, who he is, he's a man of God, and he's older because he says, I have been young and now I am old. That's a succinct way of describing life. I was young, but I'm not anymore. I'm old. And yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. This, this writer of, of that psalm is saying the, the promise God gave his people through Isaiah because I've, I've trusted God and he's directed my path. I've learned that it's true that God will carry me. That God will strengthen me. And so I, I encourage every person of, of every age and every season of life to look up. To love God and trust God because it's so easy through life. If you allow yourself, it's so easy to spend all your time looking around at all the things you don't know, you don't have and all the things that, that did not go right and all the problems in this world and all the mess and all the pain and all the hurts and lose faith and lose hope and lose joy. So God says, look up and I'll direct your feet. I'll direct your path. Look up and I'll carry you and I'll, I'll strengthen you. Remember the first sermon in this series. Spring, new love. Looking in the book of Genesis, we said that the priority relationship in life is what? What did we say? God. Before there was husband and wife, there was man and God. That's the first relationship. And guess what? That will be the final relationship that's the only one that's eternal and in the golden years if you look up your faith deepens and you come to understand that ultimately it is about God more than anyone else if you look up and you love God and you trust him whether you're still together as a couple or one of you's already gone to heaven or you're in great health or poor health, if you look up and you love him and you trust him, guess what? You keep growing spiritually. You keep growing as a follower of Christ. You, you continue to grow in character and Christ-likeness. You never stop. Look with me in the, in the book of Titus at chapter Chapter 2, the book of Titus, chapter 2. Paul is telling Timothy in verse 1 to teach things that are sound doctrine. Then in verse 2 he says, older men, here's what God says to older men. Be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, love, and perseverance. The, the, the most patient and the kindest and most faithful people on earth are supposed to be older men of God. That, that the longer we live and walk with Christ, the, he, He's continuing to refine us. And, and that means if when we're young, we're intemperate and we're impetuous and we have a temper, God is refining that. He's, he's, he's improving us in that area. And if you, if you continue through the years to look up and to love and to trust God, you're getting better. And God produces that. There's no standing still when you look up. 
But see, when you look away, you don't look up, you look away, then all of these fleshly impulses take take root and, and they grow deeper and, and, and they become more pervasive in your life. And so in the golden years, in the, the winter season of life, don't stop growing in your Christian character, in Christ's likeness. And then in verse 3, he says, older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips. Learn to say less and listen more. It's the same premise that, that in the winter season, if we're following Christ, look up, look up, and keep growing because in all of your relationships, now think about this, your relationship with your spouse, if they're still living, your relationship with your children, with your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your relationships at church, your relationships in the community when you're trying to win people to Christ, all of those relationships are healthier and, 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 and you have greater influence for Christ in all those relationships if in the winter season of life you're growing in Christ's likeness because you're still looking up, trusting Him and loving Him. And so the first biblical principle is to, to look up. My father-in-law Jack Adams. He's uh, 88 years old. A little later this year, he'll be 89. Do you know when he, he he's a deacon, okay? He was, he, he, he was ordained late in life. I drove from, from one Sunday afternoon after preaching here, I drove to Kentucky to participate in his ordination. Do you know when he learned to pray out loud in public in front of people at church? In his 70s. The previous six decades of his life, he never prayed out loud in church. But in his 70s, he, he learned to do that. Forty years ago, I became his pastor. Who he was then is different than who he is today. He's always been a man who worked hard and loved his family. But for most of his life, he could be hard and harsh and selfish. You know anybody like that? Didn't always make it easy on his wife to serve in the church. She was, she was more faithful, more dedicated to Christ, to be honest, than he was during those years I was serving there as their pastor. I remember speaking with her once because she was having to give up teaching third grade Sunday school in, at, at the church because he didn't want her to do it anymore. And about 20 years ago or so, God just got hold of him and he started changing. And he started serving and he's, he served as a deacon. He prays, as, as, as I said. And in fact, he's got this big old tender heart now that cries at the drop of a hat. And sometimes my wife and I look at him and think, where'd that man come from? But do you get the point? See, if you're following Christ and you're looking up, you don't ever stop growing. Living in the winter season is not justification for standing still spiritually. Look up. Trust God. Love God. That's a biblical principle. Now, here's the second one. 
Not only look up, but look, look out. Look, look forward. And I'm going to show you two ways to do this. The first is by learning to love and encourage the people of God and those of you in the winter season, especially those who are younger among us as the people of God. It's a biblical principle. See, in the winter season of life, some people, not everybody, but some people have a tendency to spend most of their time looking back. Now, I understand that. Okay? Most of life on earth is, is, is in the rearview mirror. My photo albums at home are arranged um, chronologically. So I can pull out a photo, photograph album from 1993 and all the photos in there are labeled, marked, and I, I, that's the way I'm marked. I like to, you know, look back. But some, some of us, as we advance in life, have a tendency that that's the primary thing we do is look back. I get it. It's natural. Others, life's been hard, and, and they're ready for heaven, and they just, they just keep looking forward to heaven. And I understand that. But I'd like to encourage you to look forward in a different way. And I'm going to ask you to give me permission. I'm going to ask you right now to give me permission to, for some of you to be stretched. For some of you maybe to be encouraged to think a little differently than you've been thinking but how you look forward during the winter season of life. Now, in, in Titus chapter 2, he said, Older men are this when you walk with God, and older women are this when you walk with God. And then the very next verse, verse 4, he said, All of that, do that, become that kind of person so that you can encourage the young women. In other words, the, the biblical principle is you keep growing so that in your example, in your words, and in your behavior, you are an encouragement to the generations coming behind you in the work of Christ, not a discouragement. That's a New Testament principle. That, that when you get to those golden years, you understand that, that one of the things God wants you to do is to have a positive impact on the kingdom of God so that it continues after you're in heaven. To mentor people younger than you. Invest in them and be intentional about it. See, Brother Andy Lawson sitting out here. Andy, you're 82, is that correct? 82. Andy's getting ready to move to Hendersonville because his daughter and her family, his grandson, is moving there, and he's going to be near his family. That's wise, to be near family rather than being where you have no family. That's smart. That's wise. I wish more people would be wise like that. Do you know where Andy, who's 82, serves in the ministry of this church? B45. B45 is our ministry to fourth and fifth graders. It's the bridge. Transitioning them from elementary school to middle school. Now, those of you who are older, you remember years ago, if you were in college, you didn't want to hang out with a sixth grader, right? Well, you know, the thing is today, those gaps have become more narrow. And fourth and fifth graders don't like hanging out with first graders. 
And it is amazing what God has done in some children's lives now that we've targeted a special ministry to those kids during that transition time before middle school. And so on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, I've seen Andy Lawson on the floor loving on, teaching, sharing with fourth and fifth graders. That's someone in the winter season of life whose wife is in heaven. He's alone. Looking up and looking forward. Not just looking forward to heaven, but looking forward. And what is the difference he can make on earth for the kingdom of God? By investing in the people of God who are younger than him. That's biblical. That's the biblical principle. Today in our culture, fewer children than ever before live anywhere near their grandparents. Grandparents retire and move someplace. Kids today move someplace for work. We're a very transient society, correct? I mean, I grew up in the same house that my grandfather built with my grandfather living, us living with him, him living with us. That's not the experience of most kids today. Fewer and fewer children have close emotional ties to their grandparents than in past days. And do you know there's research? Now listen, there is research that, that very clearly points to the positive health benefits, psychological benefits, physical benefits, both for grandparents and grandchildren when there are strong emotional bonds between them. Did you know that? There's also research that indicates both for grandparents and grandchildren there are challenges sometimes when they don't have those kind of bonds with extended family and with grandparents. Do you know who hardwired us in such a way that we need these intergenerational relationships? It was our Creator. When the Godhead in heaven said, let us make man in our image. Now think about that. And so we have all these kids who don't live anywhere near their grandparents and and more and more and more of them need to see elderly people in Sunday school loving on them. Not just gathering among ourselves all the time, but investing in these kids who need to know there are some people with gray hair and no hair who love them and can tell them about Jesus and can play with them and laugh with them. And I'm telling you, that's a biblical principle. The elderly investing in the lives of the young for the future of the kingdom of God. Moses. Turn, turn to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, please. Deuteronomy the 31, Moses, Moses in verse 1, he went out and spoke to Israel, to the nation. And in verse 2, he said, I'm, a, I'm 120 years old. Would you call that the winter season of life? <laughs> He'd lived a pretty full life, hadn't he? 120 years old, he said, I, I can't go in and out anymore. I'm stuck here. <laughs> 
And God had told Moses at the end of verse 2 that he was not going to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. Now, what did Moses do? Here he is. He's 120 years old, the winter season, and it's just about over. What was his focus? What was his attitude approach? What did he look toward, look at? Hmm? Look at verse 3. He said, It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you, and he will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. In other words, knowing that he's at the end, the words he's speaking to the younger generation are words of vision, words about their future, words of hope, words of faith. Rather than being focused on himself, he's investing in them and their future. Do you see it? You skip down to verse 6. He says to them, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid or tremble. The Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He's building them up, not for his future journey, because his future is heaven. He's building them up for their future journey. Well, the last thing, look forward not only by loving and encouraging God's people, but look forward by loving and encouraging your own family, especially your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Y'all remember the story of Jacob? In the Old Testament, one of the patriarchs, remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? Jacob was also, God gave him the name Israel, right? So you'll see him referred to as Israel in the story we're going to read in just a moment. Jacob, or Israel as he's called in this passage, is old and he's about to die. And uh, Joseph decides to take his two boys in to visit their grandfather before he passes away. And when Israel in verses 2 and 3 hears that Joseph and the grandsons are coming to see him one last time, Joseph musters the, the energy to, to get out of bed. I, and I, I can just picture this, this elderly saint rolling over and, and, and putting his feet on the floor and kind of sitting on the edge of the bed. Can you get the, you get the picture? And Joseph comes in with those boys. And in verse 8, when Joseph's sons were there, Jacob, because he, he couldn't see, he, he'd lost a lot of his eyesight, his vision was bad. He said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father in verse 9, they are my sons that God's given me. And this old man, Israel, Jacob says, bring them here. At the end of verse 9, bring them to me, please, that I may do what, church? What? Bless them. And in verse 10, Joseph brought the boys close. And I love the, the end of verse 10. Jacob, what did he do? He, he kissed those boys and he, he hugged them. He, can't you just see this elderly grandfather? He's just hugging these boys and he's kissing on them. And later we learn that in, in the chapter that Joseph actually picked the little boys up and he, and he, he placed them on, on, on Grandpa's legs or on the side of the bed. And Grandpa's just hugging these boys and kissing on these boys because he wants to bless them. And then in verses 15 and 16, we find the blessing where Jacob blessed Joseph and said, God, the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who has been my shepherd. What's, what's he saying? He, he's saying to Joseph and these grandsons, 
We have a family heritage. I've walked with God. My father walked with God. My grandfather walked with God. Do your grandchildren and great-grandchildren know your faith story? Do they know about your salvation, how you came to faith in Christ? Do they know about the, the, the issues of your life, the, the, the experiences you've had in life? Do they know about your walk with Jesus and, 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 and the good things he's done and how he helped you in the tough? Do they, do they know your story? Do they know your heart and your faith for God? That's one of the ways you bless your grandkids and your kids and your great-grandkids. It's another reason during the spring, summer, and fall, you need to have a faith story so you've got something to bless them with. And verse 16, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Notice it's plural. He's not just blessing Joseph, his son. He's blessing those grandboys. And at the end of verse 16, he says that they, can, they, that they will grow into a multitude. He's saying, I pray you have a bunch of kids and a great family and a great future. And you drop on down to verse 21, and then Israel, Jacob, said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. The last thing he says is about their future. Share with your kids and grandkids. Let them see you loving Jesus and serving Jesus and reading his word and praying. See the good in them, not just the bad, and brag on them. Pray for them and with them. Be there for them. Show up. Be in their life and participate. Don't make life primarily about yourself. Bless them. Literally lay your hands on them and speak the favor of God on them for today, tomorrow, and all their tomorrows. Bless them and bless the kingdom of God and bless the church of God because you've walked with God through every season that those coming behind you are going to walk. 